Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of The Informed Catholic. Uh, today, we're going to be celebrating uh, Tuesday's readings uh, for the second week of Easter. And this is Tuesday of the second week of Easter. We've already gone through the octave of Easter, and in this one, we're going to continue with Jesus' encounter with uh, Nicodemus at nighttime. And we're going to notice something very interesting, which I want to point out. I want to point to the fact that Nicodemus is a teacher. And Nicodemus is a scholar. He's a teacher, a ruler among the Jews. And that usually meant he was a scholar among the Jews. And he comes to Jesus at nighttime. And this is not uncommon. You're going to see something that Fulton Sheen Fulton Sheen himself said in the life of Christ this is common among academia among scholars they they live in the world where um, they follow the popular or the the crowd and sometimes they don't follow their faith enough and it usually weakens them it compromises it because the scholarly life the academic life can be compromising to true the, vir, the true virtue of faith. All right, let's begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, the reading is going to be from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 4, verse 32 to 37. The community of believers was of one heart and mind, and no one claimed than any of his possessions was his own. But they had everything in they they had everything in common. With great power the apostles bore witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great fervor was accorded to them all. There was no needy person among them, for those who owned property or houses would sell them, bring the the proceeds of the sale, and put them at the feet of the apostles and they were distributed to each according to need. Thus Joseph, also named by the apostles Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite, a Cypriot by birth, <clears throat> sold a piece of property that he owned, then brought, then brought the money and put it at the feet of the apostles. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Psalm 93. The response to the Lord is king. He's robed in majesty. Hallelujah. The Lord is king in splendor, robed. Robed is the Lord and girt about with strength. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Hallelujah. And he has made the world firm, not to be moved. Your throne stands firm from of old, from everlasting you are, O Lord. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Hallelujah. Your decrees are worthy of trust indeed. Holiness befits your house, O Lord for length of days. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. 
Alleluia. One more time. The Lord is King. He is robed in majesty. Alleluia. The Lord is King in splendor robed. Robed is the Lord and girt about with strength. The Lord is King. He is robed in majesty. Alleluia. And he has made the world firm, not to be moved. Your throne stands firm of old. From everlasting you are, O Lord. The Lord is King. He is robed in majesty. Alleluia. Your decrees are worthy of trust indeed. Holiness befits your, th- your house, O Lord, for length of days. The Lord is King. He is robed in majesty. Alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia. The Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. John chapter 3, verse 14 to 15. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John chapter 3, verse 7 to 15. No one has gone up to heaven except the one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Jesus said to Nicodemus, You must be born from above. The wind blows where it wills, and you can hear the sound it makes. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can this happen? Jesus answered and said to him, You are the teacher of Israel, yet you do not understand this. Amen, amen, I say to you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But you people do not accept our testimony. If I tell you about earthly things and you do not believe, how well how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. One more time. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 3, verse 7 to 15. Jesus said to Nicodemus, You must be born from above. The wind blows where it wills, and you can hear the sound it makes. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can this happen? Jesus answered and said to him, You are the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand this. Amen, amen, I say to you. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But you people do not accept our testimony. If I tell you about earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. 
the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So here's the question. Actually, the best thing to look at this is how Fulton Sheen described Nicodemus. Nicodemus is the typical intellectual. His behavior is not uncommon among many intellectuals, many people in academia. They're, they're smart, they're intelligent. The truth is they know that when something is intellectual and morally true, theologically true, philosophically true, morally true, philosophically true, theologically true, and ethically true. They know when something is true without a question before heaven and earth, before God's eyes. They know it. But they don't have the backbone. They don't, they don't have the intellectual backbone. They don't have the moral backbone. They don't have uh, the courage, the backbone to speak out because of fear of ridicule and losing their position and public opinion. They, they can't stand they can't stand up to the storm to you know to the to the outrage of the mobs that have lost moral understanding have lost moral uh, have lost the moral understanding had have lost don't even have the means to to speak up you know to uh, the right shepherds the shepherds have been have been misleading them the 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 leadership has misleading them they they don't have that anymore and they're not speaking out as as much as they should <clears throat> this this we see this is why he comes to Jesus at nighttime he knows Jesus is true he knows Jesus is from god but he won't stand up and and say it and speak up i mean look what's happening in the church it's right there in scripture. Right? It's right there in scripture. Now maybe Nicodemus developed some of the backbone, some of the faith, some maybe later on. But even in the show, The Chosen, you know, there's a scene where he 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 Jesus asked him to come and 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 follow him. He doesn't do it. As a matter of fact, he he doesn't tell his wife about Jesus. He doesn't tell. Uh, he you know he 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 can challenge his student up to a point, but he he doesn't want to give up his comfortable position. He doesn't want to give up his his lifestyle. Even when his student Shumuel. Sorry, the window's open. Shmuel, one of his students, challenges him. He backs down. He doesn't say that he believes Jesus is the Messiah. <clears throat> he doesn't say 
who he believes Jesus is. He says he's from Nazareth, not from heaven, not from God, because he he doesn't have he has fear of persecution and he doesn't have the faith in him. He didn't tell his wife who he believes that this man is from God. He doesn't stand up and defend Jesus or proclaim his faith in Jesus. And even someone like Joseph Arimathea, this character called Yusuf, which is the Arabic or Hebrew or Aramaic pronouncement of, of Joseph. He doesn't, you know, they, they don't stand up and speak their mind, speak their faith. This happens a lot among scholarship and academia. It happens a lot among them because they have their ego, their pride, their vanity have been fed so much, has been buttered up so much, um, massaged so much that it overcomes, it overwhelms their faith and their faith erodes. And it doesn't just happen to them. It can happen to us too. How often we're, you know, we're afraid to admit that we're Catholic. We're afraid to admit our faith um, because we're afraid to lose our job. We're afraid. Uh, we're afraid of of admitting what you know, admitting to to people around us because of the political atmosphere, the political environment. And, and we don't want, and a lot of times because we, we, we're like deer in headlights. You know, the popular, the populace uh, around us, the public around us, uh, the people we work with, our jobs, uh, we're afraid to admit our faith. And the fact is, we're not. We, we want to look around us for support. We want our friends to support us. But the truth is they don't share your faith. They don't share it. And they don't share, at least they associate with being Catholic. They associate with being Christian. They can associate and, and, and say that they believe that they believe in Jesus. But will they, do they truly believe in Jesus that they're willing to take persecution? Looking to them is not going to help us. We have to look to God and, and look to our own conscience. How far are we willing to go? Look, there's a way that there, you can say this. There's a way when we can admit and say to some, say to somebody, I'm sorry, but this thing troubles my conscience. This thing that we're we're going through, this training that we're going through, <clears throat> troubles my conscience. All right, I can't wear this symbol. I can't wear this rainbow. I can't wear this these colors. I can't wear this shirt. I can't do that. There's the symbol on the shirt goes against what I believe. Why do I have to wear this? Why do I have to wear that? If you, let's say, pretend like your job asks you to wear a rainbow mask, COVID mask. 
in support of Pride Month. Now, they're asking everybody at the job to wear it or to wear a rainbow pin on your lapel or a trans flag, the uh, mass that's in the colors of the trans flag. And they want everybody in the job to wear it. Now, if you don't wear it, does that what does that mean? Are they telling? Did, did they say that that you that, that that you have a choice not to wear it? Interesting, right? I mean, we're getting to that point <clears throat> where that could happen because everybody suddenly is is sort of like bending to 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 the wind. Our society, our political leaders, our um, our schools, our jobs have accepted this without any question whatsoever and they want everybody else to accept it. Nobody seems to even... Yeah, we're getting to that point. So what does that mean? Yeah, so we have to, we have to really question that. Sorry, I had to... Uh, got interrupted while I was doing this. My mom... <laughs> But this is the question we all have to, we have to look to. I mean, back in the Roman Empire, you had to throw in a pinch of, of incense, right in public, on, on an altar, in the public, in front of the the public quorum, right in front of everybody, and declare your allegiance to Rome and the Roman gods. And if you're a Christian, right. Because the Christians were were considered a new cult. And since they only believed in one God and they believed that Jesus Christ is Lord, they were, they were the new kids on the block. The Jews were given a a, a special exemption from the from the emperor because of their of their uh their older religion and they were a more established religion. And they were they were excused, uh, but under Diocletian and others, you weren't given that exemption. Under Nero and Caligula, or, or the Christians actually were just coming under the scene under Caligula, but still, you had to declare it. There were many Christians. Later on, under Justin Martyr and under uh, other persecutions, where they lost their property, their homes, their jobs, their lands, and many others, bishops were tortured. After the persecution under Constantine, when Constantine gave the Edict of Milan, all right? Later on, he had the council, council of Nicaea. All the bishops that showed up at the council of Nicaea lost two hands. They showed up, some of them with their hands badly deformed and damaged from uh, tortures of uh, red hot iron. Some of them lost an eye. Many, many of them were limping. 
Many of them were disfigured. Okay? They had to come. And they had to f solve a problem that Constantine wanted. One, he wanted unity within the church because he wanted unity within the empire. He didn't really care about theological matters because he wasn't a theologian. He was an emperor. But they said it was like watching... It was watching an army of martyrs. You couldn't find one bishop who didn't have an eye missing. You couldn't find one bishop that had a hand, an arm missing. You couldn't find one bishop who needed who needed two deacons to help him walk. But they came out against solving the problem against Arius. And there were many other families, many other Christian families who lost everything. But <clears throat> here's the thing. The population of Christians who caved in were outnumbered the martyrs, outnumbered the people who, uh, who, who, did, not, you know, who did not denounce Christ. And the big battle began in the church over should those Christians be admitted back in? Should those Christian families who caved in to the government be admitted back in? They denounced Christ. There's going to be a lot of, there's a lot of people who are going to denounce Christ. A lot of Christians are caving in to the LGBTQ movement. A lot of bishops are caving in. The church is getting smaller. The heretics are getting, the apostate, the heretics, the blasphemers are getting larger. And yet the heretics still want to remain in the church. The blasphemers still want to remain in the church. The Judases still want to remain in the church. That's the funny part. And they know, they know the truth. They know what the Christian faith teaches. Many of the bishops and priests know that they're wrong, that this is, this is wrong. And they still want to remain in the church. It's in the new movie, Nefarious, is it coming out. It's actually made uh, the producer and the writer are uh, Catholic. I don't know about the director. It's a new film. I'm not familiar with the actors. Sorry about that. I was I didn't I wasn't prepared, and I haven't seen the film. So it's I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to see the film because, you know, going to the movies is expensive, and um, you know this is a tough time. Uh, I'll probably wait till it's out on, um, what do you call it, um, Amazon streaming. It's actually very much um, follows the plot line of the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis. You know, and um, in the film there uh, there is a man. Uh, he is a um, a prisoner, a serial, a serial killer, and he's on death row, and he's about to be executed. And interesting the psychiatrist 
is a um, he's an atheist, and the film itself. Basically, the man is possessed by a demon named Nefarious. And in the film, Nefarious has committed many crimes. And uh, he's predicting that the psychiatrist, I'm guessing, getting ready, looking for a new host, I'm guessing. That's what I'm, I'm taking, I guess. But there's a character in the film named James Martin, deliberately named after Father James Martin. The film is not getting a lot of uh, traction. It's not getting a lot of attention. But but there's a lot of theological. Everybody who's seen it, Jesse Romero who's seen it, and a few others who've seen it uh, from Catholic Truth, uh, John Henry Weston has seen it on Life Science News. The film is, is not going to be like other horror films. As a matter of fact, it's not going to be like Russell Crowe's The Pope's Exorcist. That's actually more looking for more entertainment. This one does not have all the um, the quirks or the usual tropes of, like, say, The Exorcist, the movie. This one actually just has two men, the psychiatrist and the possessed, the demoniac, talking. And it actually bothered one reviewer because there wasn't any flashbacks with the gore and the violence. It's not that kind of movie. It's meant to be to 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 warn people. It's 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 a lot of it is about it's a, it has a lot of theological talk, which I know would bother a lot of people because they want to be entertained. But it's not like that. It's based on the screw tape letters where there's a lot of conversation. And that's all it is. For 90 minutes, you're going to get that. And you you will, but the point is, it will grab your attention because it's, because this is based on the con conversation. The talk is what's important. What there be, what, what's being said is important. The message is, is, is important. The demon is spewing a lot of theolog theological truth while also feeding you a lot of lies. It's very interesting that how our culture, as we are morally, morally falling apart and moving away from God, there's other parts of the culture moving towards God. And this is something that someone said happens to a lot of empires. Like it or not, the United States is an empire. There is a moral rut in the system. We're rotting away. While we're focusing on decadence and 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 pleasure, pleasure is one of the biggest thing that for that that starts kicking in the 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 love for pleasure and also the love the the desire for immorality, decrepit behavior, perversion. People are are one of focusing on art. And pleasure and entertainment. Like look what happened in ancient Rome. The people were given the arena. The Colosseum. And they were given. In the entertainment they were given was death. Death. 
watching other people suffer and die. That was the entertainment. And then there's corruption in the political, the hierarchy. There's corruption in society. Society is obsessed only with death. Pleasure. They were given free food in the arena. They were given free drinks. It's, it's a fact. It's okay. There's a lot of construction going on. But this is something that we have to realize. We're coming to that point now as a people of faith. And the only way you're going to survive this is you have to know your faith. You have to study and know your faith and help. And you got to pray. Don't just study. Pray. You can't, we cannot hide and just pray our rosaries, say our, our fathers, say our glory bees, say our Hail Marys and think the rest of the world is going to leave us. We need to be put on trial and we need to to stand up against the storm that's coming. The best thing I could say this, make a list of all the Catholic truth, all the things that you know the church is against and study them. Pray about them. Ask God to give you to help you help you increase your faith and give you the courage to stand up and admit that you're a Catholic, you're a Christian. Ask him. All the subject matter that you're hearing, all the stuff that you're hearing, like the stuff about homosexuality, the stuff about abortion, the stuff about contraception, study them, listen to the response, study them. Go on YouTube or read about it. And when there are ways we could, like, I think this is something we're gonna have to approach this as we're getting, now that we're, we're you know, we're, we're into Easter, I think the subject matter, the, the certain topics, I will make I will make notes about, and I think I'll, I'll I'll give you I'll give the proper answers that we can give to the people, the outside world. I think this is a good a good way of doing it. Like why like why are you a Christian, and uh, what do you say to a person? If you you know if you're being put on the spot or trying to be made fun of, how uh, how do you how do you respond to people mocking you? There's ways to do it. All right, we're gonna end it. Uh, all right. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father. In these times, please give us the grace. Your grace your strength the grace and strength of your son Jesus Christ through the Eucharist to help us grow in our faith and not be cowards to help us stand in front of a world that's becoming more and more unbelieving and more and more hostile Jesus said if the world hates you it hated me first <clears throat> and he did say that we will be brought before before judges, before governors, and before kings. 
and not to worry what we're going to say, for it will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in the day of battle. Be our protection against the wild and wicked attacks of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God bless.